0: Welcome back to another great episode of the Uncharted podcast. I have my two good friends, Patrick Campbell, Peter Zotto for ProfitWell. Welcome to the show, gentlemen.
1: What
2: up? I just want to say that I'm probably a better friend than Peter. That's. I just want to clarify that at the beginning.
1: I met Poya first when he was at HackerRank and we were still priced intelligently back in 2016. Who,
2: so bought, who bought me presents as an indication of true. a better friend? He bought me presents. No, I think he bought you presents. I want to tell you to sign a deal. He wanted us to sell because we he wanted to, yeah, I won't get into that. Um, but I will say for the world to know how great Poya is, we were in a place of the the thing Poya was selling, we had stated on principle, we will not buy this <laughs> like ever again. We are like, we're not buying it. Um, the thing he was selling, and he's like, just. Just, just can you get Patrick to meet with me? That's what he told Pete. And he worked on Pete and Pete's like, yeah, yeah, dude, just meet with him, have coffee with him. He seems like he really gets it, blah, blah, blah. And he does. boy is, boy is amazing. The guy listened to some deep cut podcasts that I had recorded like six years prior, heard that I like traded graham crackers and animal crackers like in elementary school. That was my first entrepreneurial thing comes to the meeting and is like, hey, like, he has the meeting, the whole meeting, and it like it goes well, and I'm listening to him. And then at the end, just saves it for the last punch and goes, by the way, I know you like Animal Crackers. I know it was like your first entrepreneurial journey or whatever, and I was blown away. And I was like, gosh, darn it, Pete, I think we're gonna have to buy this thing now. <laughs> so yeah, I just wanna say, Poya, you're amazing, and everyone should know how amazing you are, and we like you. I'll start with Patrick first. Patrick, go to your first like memory
0: of, convincing our good friend Peter to join, but more importantly, like when did you know Peter was like a great business partner?
2: I was on my own for like nine months needed to like start finding, you know, I needed someone to either like take on essentially product, which is, which is what it was at the time or take on like sales, right? Like, like that was kind of the thing I was looking for is like one or the other. And, um, the, the the true origin story is like my former uh, girlfriend partner we lived right next door to Pete and um, like I'd hung out with him like once or twice just in passing and then um, there was a giant snowstorm in Boston and a nice nor'easter and um, everyone ended up at um, this this bar called Harvard Gardens Harvard Gardens and uh, that's when we like really started bonding. Um, I won't get into um, some of the other details uh, because I think it'll embarrass Pete a little bit. But um, long story short, like that's how we met. And I remember, I don't know if he remembers this New Year's Eve, um, we went out and we had a long conversation about like, it was kind of like, hey man, like you've told me multiple times you don't really like where you're at right now, not because people aren't great, but just because like it's not getting you what you need. this is a cool thing, and like you had this problem at that previous company. We're like trying to solve that problem, like what are we doing right? And it took another like two three months to get him to like you know kind of come on board and then I think like that's that's when it kind of came, and what he probably doesn't know is like I was like, i don't know if I have any other options but uh, <laughs> but I will say that um. The moment I knew that pete uh was like Pete was the one the moment I knew you were the one boo was um we uh we ended up sponsoring web Summit, which I don't think was a good decision at the time. It might be a good decision now, but long story short, like like we all of my neuroses he was like fine with around like we gotta make sure the booth is perfect, we got to get this done, we have to do that done. we have to like book as many meetings as possible and like he would like, you know, give feedback and obviously, but he was like right in the thick of it with me. And that was like a moment where I was like, I'm going to work with this guy for a long time. Like maybe my whole life, I'm going to work with this guy. Um, and so, yeah, it was it was just like that being in the trenches, which I think solidified it.
1: Peter, at what moment, once you started, was
0: it that you're like, no matter what, I want to work with this guy?
1: We've been doing this for yeah, almost 10 years. I'm, I'm just about to turn 40. So it wasn't like I met Patrick when I was 21 and we were sort of bright eyed and bushy tailed. Like I was had been he's active, had a career. Like twenty
2: one up until a couple of years. That's ago, true.
1: Though. I had had a career, and you know, like had met a bunch of entrepreneurs. I worked in uh, for a Boston-based venture company, a venture capital company, for three years. I had met a bunch of entrepreneurs. Worked at a startup that Patrick alluded to prior that I wasn't super happy with. I think what made me realize one part of the reason why I started or wanted to work with Patrick and started with him, and then part of the reason why I've always continued working with Patrick is that despite and he is most definitely a quirky individual and he has his quirks as we all do but what's unique about patrick is he sees the world in a way that not many other people see in, in a way that i don't necessarily see and he can execute in a way that i've never seen anybody execute before and i think those two those two as a combination are killer and i I found that to be true very early on. And so I, I knew right away I was like, I have no idea what I'm getting myself into, but I trust this guy be, to execute on it, and I'm willing to sort of stake my my livelihood on that. Uh, and I think like that was that's a bet that certainly paid off for me. and it's paid off in the early days and it will continue to pay off because I think that yeah, like he's got those two. That's it's a killer combo. And I think very few people do. And I had been around a lot of entrepreneurs besides him prior to that. And they didn't have those two things. A lot of times you would have somebody that can you really well um, or somebody who had a great vision. Uh, but Patrick somehow combined the two of those. And so I think when I realized that about him, I was like, yo, sign me up. I'm sure it took
0: time to work on your relationship, right? Calling each other out on your weaknesses, strengths, <laughs> so on and so it's forth. It's still taking so, time. It's still taking time. <laughs> so if someone's listening to this, whether they're a founder or an executive, right? And they have that business partner, that maybe things are not meshing well. At least in your case, what
1: helped? I think it boils down to one thing and one thing only, uh, and that's trust. Um, So I think and this took me a long time to get to with Patrick because I think Patrick is a very, he's got a big, strong personality. Um, he's, he's far more cuddly when you get to know him on the inside than I think (laughs) than his exterior shell would indicate. But, um, we would have early on. I don't know if I, it's not that I didn't trust Patrick, but I don't know if I, 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 don't think I felt that he always had my best interests. Come to find out like that was always what he had, but I think that it took me a long time to realize because I'm not, wasn't super trusting of that. Um, so when I finally realized that, I think that all the battles that we had and we still have, frankly, where you know they're highly emotional they're they can be volatile between the two of us um they are knocked down drag out sometimes and I feel like you know they, they can be really hard and they can suck a lot of energy out of both of you, both of us. But now what ends up happening is that when we get in those arguments, I know that it comes from a frankly a good place so that if it's He's telling me something that I'm doing wrong, or I'm communicating something to him that he's do that I think he's doing wrong, it comes from a place where like I trust that he knows that at the end of the day, I he still loves me or I still love him, even if the stuff that we're talking about is critically, critically important and, and super difficult to hear. Right. And there's plenty of examples that we can give you that we won't get into, but I think that's what it comes down to, right? If you have trust between whatever founders, executives, whoever you are in an organization, like. That sol- solves everything because then everything else is open
2: hundred percent agree with that we have a we have a third boo third partner in this whole thing. Uh, this guy named facundo um so c p o and kind of runs product engineering and is also running product engineering at paddle he um it's it's it he's like another strong personality, and I think the the thing that would have sped up this whole situation was um what Pete said is like getting to trust but all three of us basically like oh i have your back is innate like of course i have your back without like question even though i've only known you like 6 months because that's just like the right thing to do like all three of us have like a really strong like moral foundation like that but i think the problem was is that for a number of years every argument was like testing that because it was so innate we didn't communicate that we had that so like in month nine, if I was like, hey Zato, like, damn hey, man, I got your back. This is why I'm doing this is because like, I got your back. It probably would have accelerated that whole journey because you know, we, we did a number of years of just trust checking conversations between the three of us pretty constantly. Like kind of like the classic, like, oh, the argument isn't about the thing you're taught, you're arguing about. The argument is about like, we need to make sure we t- trust each other and we all are here. And another thing besides just like, Hey, no, I have your back, is just aligning on like expectations. Like one of the biggest conversations that we had that I think helped all three of us was like, do we want to create a bootstrap lifestyle business or do we want to trade a big, big, huge company? If we're if we're misaligned, all of our decisions and we're gonna have all these arguments because we're misaligned. And everyone was like, no, we want to create a big ass company. And so that was like the big thing that um also helped.
0: When and how often did that happen?
2: We checked in on that probably like four or five times over the past like nine years. Like because it, it kind of changes, right? Like it changes over time. Like things cause because and what happened like going into this this transaction was we knew in order to keep being a large company, we we're finally at the point where like money was truly holding us back because we had like I like to say, like we were having too many ten thousand dollar arguments. We had five things we wanted to spend ten thousand dollars on, and all five were truly things we knew we should be spending the ten thousand dollars on, and as soon as that happens, like you got to raise money, right? We were being held back and we knew exactly where we were going to spend the money. So yeah, but that was the thing, like checking in and making sure like you're reinforcing that, not just like feeling it. You got to reinforce it with that relationship. Why did you guys end up wanting to do the paddle transaction? Two or three things. One, we didn't want to sell. Like we very much didn't want to sell. Like it wasn't like we were opposed to it. It was just, we didn't even think about it. We were like, yeah, we're going to go raise. And then Christian at paddle was like, or uh, what if we like bought you? And we were like, oh. And then we went through this like week of the ego, the week of like, no, like, I don't know, like, it's probably like, how can we ever find a place that has like all the things we want, that type of a thing. But we were like, if we can do that, then of course, this is another way to get the resources and stop having those $10,000 arguments, right? So long story short, what ended up happening is like, we were like, okay, so we started kind of playing hard mode, which is like... Not quite doing a process on the VC side, but doing, doing a process basically on the M; side. Um, and then as things kind of progressed, I think it really came down to like a couple of things. One, not, neither of us and a lot of the people that you know have trusted us with a huge portion of their careers wanted to stop. Um, they wanted to keep going like we weren't done like it wasn't like hey we're ready to like flip this thing because we've never built the company that way like the company's so intertwined with our like identity not just me like being out in marketing but like our identity in terms of like we love what we do we love what we do um, and so that was a big thing where um, we wanted to keep going and other options for sale, uh basically we would be, you know, director levels and our whole team would be like ICs rather than like leading things. Not probably not quite that dramatic, but it would have been close to that. And then the opportunity, like honestly, like I never thought that we would find a company that thinks about the world in the way we do. And what I mean by that is like we're a very do-it-for-you company. Like we very much focus on like, no, 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 no. We're not gonna give you a WYSIWYG editor, we're not gonna give you like workflows, we're just gonna take care of the churn. And we'll do it this way, and it'll be private labeled and everything. and that's literally the ethos of paddle. and so it was one of those things that like that came together. and then the third thing was like, okay, like is the culture fit right? That's such a huge problem with a lot of acquisitions and mergers. and so like we have a really we've developed and worked on a really strong culture, like in terms of like very opinionated and in, in you know what's important and then kind of loose and accommodating and everything else and you know, they were basically like, yeah, that's how we think about the world too. And it was like, oh, all right, cool. Like, let's do this thing. So that's 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 kind of how it all came together.
0: What are some non-obvious things you wish people would know about scaling a bootstrapped business?
2: It is neither easier nor harder to bootstrap a company versus run one that's venture-backed. The problems, like a lot of the problems are the same. A lot of the problems, and then there's a lot of problems that are just traded and different. Like we haven't dealt with like a, weird board dynamics like we we have but we haven't dealt with like venture backed board dynamics we haven't dealt with like holy crap like if we don't raise money in the next 6 months we like go out of business like we built in a very cash flow positive way because we had to um i do think the other thing is like just by the nature of like physics you will probably grow slower than you think at times you think you should be growing faster um and this was like I would say a mistake I think we made. Um, I think we should have raised money probably as soon as we realized that Profitable Metrics was going to be free. I think that's exactly when we should have raised money. We, we Because creating a metrics product that's financial metrics, accuracy is incredibly difficult. And we didn't know it was going to be as difficult. Like We knew it was going to be difficult, but we were like, oh, like three months difficult, not 18 to 24 months difficult. And then also like oh scaling a free product like yeah it worked out but like it's really hard you know because you're you're constantly distracted and I think we filled a lot of those gaps just with like grit and hustle um, which you'd already have to do but we could have made it a little bit easier by raising even just a basic seed round or a basic Series A um, and then still like ran the company in a very profitable or near profitable manner and kind of gone for broke um, I think we could have shaved probably two years off of our journey um which would have been, you know, I don't know. So it's it all worked out in the end, but that's kind of how I think about it. From a revenue perspective, what advantages
0: like disadvantages non obviousness do you have from like I think from a sales perspective?
1: I think that it's a forcing function to get really good at the stuff that you need your people to be really good at. We have this philosophy at ProfitWell that I, you know, we'll try to um take to paddle which is advisory driven sales. And what that means is like the, sh- the short version of that is that we we think about providing value first and selling second in and, and, and very specifically in that order and ultimately like i think that tol- totally translates into more revenue for us because we you know we we provide a lot of value to the market i, I learned from my venture days uh, the guy i work for a gentleman named scott maxwell used to say um ask for feedback get money ask for money get feedback and so we've sort of taken that approach with uh with the way that we sell today uh i think Tactically speaking, what that means is that when you hire people and when you train people and coach people and sort of get them into the mix, they have to be really good at all components of the business. And they have to be really good at all components of the product. Meaning, we don't have any sales enablement. We don't have sales engineers. We don't have solutions architects. Um, for God's sakes, we didn't. We didn't. We don't have a VP of sales. We don't have a director of sales. We don't really have a lot of sales managers. And so it forces individual account executives, the BDRs that we do have to become experts in the entire sort of go-to-market motion. And through that, they become insanely valuable to the market and insanely valuable to the prospects that we sell to. So I think that um, that's a massive advantage over every other competitor that's out there. And frankly, every other company that's selling to the same personas that we sell to, because we are looked at as consultants and advisors first and salespeople second. So I think like that's a great forcing function for us. On the flip side, though, right, there's always this trade-off, and Patrick alluded to this a moment ago, which is that it takes a while. It takes a while for people to learn that and to to sort of build that muscle over time. Um, And so you have to be okay with letting people ramp not in a three month time frame, but like a six, 9 nine, month time frame to they really what you we know, sort of so, enter into that uh nirvana of they're seven. productive. They're so, ramped
2: from a revenue perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: like they're getting a lot of
2: help. Like they're they're not like, oh my God, they're producing right. without any help. How did you guys
0: learn over time to make sure like it was it anecdotes? Like how did you know like if someone was
1: gonna work or not over a period of time? Balance each other out here a little bit. Like Patrick's probably less patient with sellers than I am. Um I, I think that's uh, probably a good thing with you know early career folks, bD folks, et cetera, sort of junior aes. I'm a little bit more patient with more senior level account executives. Um, and I think the like you have to you have to give those folks time to marinate, but there are there are like deliverables through the ramping process that we look for and that we sort of quiz on over time to make sure that these are the people that are doing things. And for the record, like even 10 years in, Patrick and I are incredibly involved in the sales motion, probably sometimes much to the detriment of the people that are also in the sales motion. But like if Patrick and I are outworking account executives, which isn't that uncommon or hadn't been that uncommon in the history of the company, there's probably there's probably an issue with that sales rep.
2: Yeah. I haven't what's that was that's a really good litmus there. I haven't really been involved in the sales motion like for years now. I think it was more like sometimes I'll now get involved because like I have a yep. relationship or something. But I think that 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 is the thing that we discovered. If Pete, it, if, if a manager or Pete in this case is selling for the rep, like basically like the reason that rep is hitting quota is because of Pete or the sales manager. Like what are we doing, right? Like that was our first like litmus test. I think now it depends, like now it's like classic Kellogg, you know, metrics, right? Like it's like classic, like, okay. Um, like for our BDRs, right? Like our BDRs, like if they're not producing within three weeks, like not like, Hey, they have to be hitting their numbers and ops, but like if they're not doing their activity metrics within three weeks, they're gone. Right. And, And when they're like productive, when, like if they have two months where they're missing, um, and there's no extended circumstance, they're gone, right? Like, that's just kind of how we think about it. AEs, it's like, it's a little bit of a similar, like, cause you'll have like, given that our pricing is really good. Um, What will happen is, it's like, you might have a rep that like closes, um you know, a really good, like they're over there like X, X dollars per rep, you know, per month, but their close rate sucks, right? Like, and all of a sudden, Pete started discovering this like years ago and was like, cool, well, I need my close rate to like hover like right around here or higher or like I don't care because I, I don't want to give them bad, you know, bad, or the leads that are good, right? So I think it really, it's like, it's, it's not quite through anecdote. It's just establishing where those limiting steps are. Um, and that's kind of how we built the whole business is because it's bootstrapped. It's like, I can't afford to have 10 reps that all suck to figure it out, right? Like we, we have to like, all right, perform. Next two, perform, next four, perform, next ten, perform. And then we like once they perform, we get to the next level, right? Rather than like, you know, kind of over hiring if that makes sense. And so I don't think Pete's given himself enough credit that he he does look at the numbers and he does manage to the numbers a lot more than he's saying, but he is patient with like, hey, like if I see these things and they're still not quite getting it, like we're gonna give them a little more time, that type of a thing because, you, you know, it's hard to motivate effort. I don't think you can motivate effort.
0: If you could go back to any time, and in this case, I'm going to say right before your profit well journey ended, there's one piece of non-obvious feedback you could give yourself, at your younger self before this journey started. What would that piece of advice be? Patience.
1: <laughs> you got to be patient. This journey required a ton of patience along with sacrifice. And I think that if you had, I don't, there were definitely points, and I'm sure Patrick felt this way too, like points along the way that we were like, I don't know. Like, is this thing going to work out? Like, are we doing the right stuff? What are we doing with our lives? Um, to, to, to be patient, uh, it would have, been, would have been good advice back then.
2: For me, it's a little bit more like going easy on yourself, right? Because the, the, the problem is there's so much that you do and learn that has to be wisdom, and wisdom has to be learned. It can't be taught, right? Like, the amount of things you read about when you have the instinct to let someone go, let them go. But then the first couple times you do it, you don't know why you have that instinct. And so you like have them stay and you have like all that kind of stuff. It's like, no, you have to like screw up a hire. You probably have to screw up a couple of hires to be like, okay, we're going to stop screwing up these hires, right? You hear about like culture is the most important thing. Like in the beginning, like I thought that was a dumb concept that somehow I knew better that like the people in the culture, like that, that wasn't going to be the hardest thing. The hardest thing was going to be product and market and all these other things. It's like, no, like, that is everything because that's what builds the company, right? And so I think it's like in those moments, I would like kick the crap out of myself internally in my head of like, oh man, like you, you read that, like you thought it was dumb or, you know, I didn't think it was dumb, but you thought it was like, no, we're different or something like that. And then of course it's true, right? Because these people have built these things and are giving this advice. It's, you know, like this global level advice is like, you know, almost always true, right? Because you're not that unique. Right. And so, Yeah, I think go easy on yourself.
0: Started with a praise. I'm going to end it with a praise. Um, I met Peter when I was at Hacker young guy, right off the bat, probably the most impressive, not only revenue professional, but business professional. He cares, high empathy and communicates. So Peter, thanks for being a friend. Thanks for being uh, multiple times on the other end and giving us the benefit of the doubt. And Patrick, um, he guy hustles more than anyone I've ever met. Like I I always thought Well was like, oh my God, like there's so much shit they do and they do it at scale. But behind the scenes, it's Patrick. I have no idea how he's gone sleep over the years but uh not not only for what you've built but more importantly for everything you've given the community patrick you should be very very proud of so um thank I, you I i hope your journey doesn't end here i am excited to root you guys now that you're part of paddle uh, and we'll have you back to to see how that journey goes in a in a couple of months but until next time be well be safe and thank you gentlemen again thanks poya thanks poya